Moms, you ever feel like you're just a hot mess walking around trying to figure it out? And somebody said, yes. I even laugh. Hot mess, I'm telling you. I had even, I, you know, I was, I was like, we're going to call it a hot mess because I know moms feel like a hot mess sometimes. So I, I looked it up because some of you don't even know what a hot mess is. And that's okay too. So I, I, I Googled it. That's not always a good idea. But what I did come up with, the definition of a hot mess is barely keeping it together. Disarray. Chaotic. Moms, have you ever felt like that? I love it. I love it. If you have children, the answer is automatically yes. You know why? Because children are in disarray and they're chaos and they do everything they can to make sure sometimes you don't keep it together. So today we're just going to call it a hot mess. I've never been a mom. I don't know if that's surprising to you. Oh, there's a, yeah. Amen. Brothers, that's what I'm talking about. I'm okay with that. I've never been a mom. I was raised by an incredible mom. And uh, I know many of you share in that. But motherhood is one of the most amazingly unique things ever. And at the same time as I'm trying to wrap my mind around what it means to be a mom, uh, I just can't help but get away from the fact that I bet there has to be pretty consistently, you just feel like a hot mess sometimes. And it's not necessarily because you're doing a bad job. It's just because everything's just going nuts. The world's going nuts. It's kids all over the place. Um, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. This morning, I'm not calling anybody a hot mess for the record. Don't think I'm like pointing fingers. But if you ever felt like you were a hot mess as a mom, this morning, I just want us to spend some time in the Word. I want to encourage you today. I want to thank you. I want to thank God for you today. But I just want you to be encouraged uh, today, but I want to start by making sure we're all on the same page. So, moms, I want to make sure that you know where I'm coming from as we talk about this today. All right. So, I need you to I need you to understand and listen to what I'm about to tell you. Okay? Because I'm just going to be honest with you, mom. I don't I don't know how hard it is, mom. I don't know what you're going through. I don't. Mom, I don't know what it's like to be you. I'd I'd have no idea what it's like to be in your shoes. I don't know these things. I'm not going to pretend like I know these things. But what I do know today, Mom, is you are more valuable than this world will ever know. You are more valuable than this world will ever tell you. Because you're a mom. And let me expand that understand so you understand the definition of a mom. Because to me, a mom is not somebody who has biologically bore a child. Because I've been raised by a lot of moms. And not because they were moms of other kids, but I've been raised by women who poured into me the word of God by how they lived and how they spoke. I call these my spiritual moms that led me in Christ Jesus, that showed me the way, that taught me God's word. I've been raised by a lot of moms. Some of them were biological moms. A lot of them were spiritual moms. 
And I know that today, sometimes Mother's Day can be a very hard and heavy day because there are women that cannot physically be moms. But you know what? Today is a day that we recognize and celebrate you as well for those of you who are moms to people who have learned from you in Christ Jesus. For boys like me that became men that have looked to you and shown, learned from you, you have shown me what it means to love others like Jesus. It doesn't matter if you've been graced with biological children or not. You have been raising up the kingdom of God as a spiritual mom, and I thank you for that. So on Mother's Day, we're not just measuring it by the number of children or grandchildren. I want you to understand Mother's Day is a bigger deal. It's not just for those who are biologically blessed is for those women who have poured into those who have come behind them and been moms to show them the way to sacrifice and guide their path so that others will know the love of Christ. So I'm not going to pretend like I know what it's like to be a mom. I know what it's like to be in your shoes. I just want you to know today, I know that you will never be told or known how valuable you are when we measure it to this world. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Philippians chapter 4. The role of mom is immeasurable. I mean, sure, there's parameters to it, but there's no way to measure the depth of motherhood. As we look at this passage this morning, I just want to be completely upfront with you and let you understand that Philippians 4 is not a passage of Scripture that is dedicated to moms and motherhood. Uh, as we look in Philippians 4, I want you to understand kind of what's going on here. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi this letter that we have called Philippians. It was a very upbeat letter. It was a letter that dealt with the context of, of encouragement. It dealt with friendship. It dealt with um, building up the church, building up the people that would be gathered together uh, to read this letter and to have the letter read over them. Paul himself, when he's writing this, uh, longs to be with him. He misses this church. He loves this church greatly. And before we dive into what we're talking about today, I want to point something very important to you out that's going to kind of set the tone for a little bit of what we're going to be studying. See, Paul wrote, writes these letters, and what would happen is these letters would go to this area, in this, in this context, Philippi, and they would pass them amongst the house churches or the established churches or whatever churches. They would pass these letters around. And when they would gather in a setting like this, somebody would stand up, And they would read this letter to the church. And it wasn't like in verse 8 and 9. It was just a letter. And and when the, the letter was read, it wasn't just passed around and you read it silently and pass it to the next person. It was read publicly. It was read in this type of format. It would be like if I were to say, hey, Terrence wrote me a letter this week. He wants me to tell the church this. And I were to stand here and read to you the letter from Terrence. Which would be very good and encouraging, right? Until... Terrence wanted to point out something that one of you has done wrong. Then it's going to get a little awkward. You know what I mean? As we're all gathered here and we're talking about all these wonderful things that are happening in the, in the Lord. And then Terrence says, but you, Cindy Lou Who, you just can't get it right, can you, girl? You know, I don't know, as, as the reader, do they pause and look at Cindy Lou Who? I mean, I don't know what happens. If everyone's like, she's sitting right behind me. This is uncomfortable. I mean, like, what happens here? But I want you to understand that as we look at this text, I want you to see something that Paul starts this chapter 4 as he's encouraged the church and he's building them up. He calls out two ladies. 
Look at verse, verse 2. I plead with Euodia and I plead with her. I would love to hear your input on her, how her name is pronounced. I'll go with your recommendation. Somebody said Cindy. I'll go with Cindy. Not any Cindy's in here. I'm just, it's, it's Sin, Sin, Sintaish. Sintaki? I don't know. We're going to go Cindy. If your name is Cindy, I'm not singling you out. I'm just making some connections here so I can pronounce it. It says, I plead with Euodia. I plead with Cindy to be of the same mind in the Lord. Oh. Well, a church in Philippi just got a little restless. You know what I mean? Euodia is sitting right there. How do you think Euodia feels? Little Cindy sitting over there like, hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear how Paul feels about it. You know, like, what's going on here, right? That's not the, the, the focal point of Philippians. It's not the focal point of the passage. But as we read the verses following, we have to understand that he continues to address these two ladies as it's compared to the bigger picture of the church. And that's what we're doing this morning. When we open God's word, we understand that as human beings, God's word applies to us. That this morning, we're not just talking to moms. We're talking to anybody who has ears to let him hear the word of the Lord. But specifically, we're going to be looking and targeting and and kind of focusing on how these passages apply to moms. So let's look at this passage beginning in verse 4 of Philippians 4. Paul writes, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This morning, I just want us to take our time and walk through this passage of Scripture and just kind of unpack it a little bit and see what God has for us here and put it in the context of motherhood. But moms, when we talk about motherhood, I understand you fight a lot of different battles, There is no such thing as a multitasker that has never been attributed to a mom. Moms are incredible. You fight a lot of battles. You got a lot of things going on. And I'll be honest with you from what I understand as moms, some of the greatest battles you fight, some of the greatest battles you fight or battle, if you combine it, it's fatal. Some of the greatest battles you fight are going to be the ones that happen in your head. But some of the other greatest battles take place. Here's some of the battles you bought. You just, I just jotted down some. You get the kids dressed in the morning. For some of you, you, you get the husband dressed in the morning. I feel that. You make lunches. You prepare dinner. If you're of the family, you make breakfast. You clean the house or you oversee the cleaning of the house. You're the one who makes sure homework gets done. You're the compassionate one. You call or you text, you check in, you make sure everyone is where they need to be when they need to be there. You run around like crazy doing laundry, 
running errands, picking this up, getting somebody to wear it. But the thing is, you make, you, you make it look good because you do a good job. You look good doing it. You're amazing at the battles that you face and the battles that you fight and the battles that you go after. But I've also heard that in these battles, I've heard about the evil that's out there lying and waiting for you as you accomplish these battles. Things like traffic. (laughs) I literally heard like a contingency of women going, oh, this has been a rough ride to church this morning. The evil that awaits you, traffic, things that are sticky. I've never met a mom that loves sticky, ever. Is there any moms here that loves sticky? See, it's not real. Getting world-changing details at the very last minute. Moms, has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Tomorrow at school? <laughs> y'all, 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 anybody heard that before? Maybe even worse, like, oh, mom, before we leave for school, I just remembered. Man, that is like evil. The evil that lies. Not being told thank you. Drags you down. Seeing how perfect everyone else's lives are on Facebook and other social media. Moms, you ever battled that evil? Not having time for yourself once everyone else has all their needs provided for. You ever battled that, Mom? Again, not being told thank you. Wondering if you're good enough as a wife, as a mom. Comparing yourself to other moms, comparing yourselves to other wives. Believing the lie. Always feeling tired. Wondering, where's the joy? Mom's got battles to face. And it's these things, these thoughts that fly through our minds, flies through your minds that think about, man, what's, what's going on? That leads us to feel like we're just, just a hot mess. Everybody else is better at it than I am. But God, this morning, God in his word wants to show you some very pivotal things that he wants for you, moms. And this is what we're going to be talking about this morning, moms. He wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be humble. And God wants you to be whole. So this morning, as we walk through God's word, those are the four things we're going to pull out that we see God pointing to in the context of what Paul is writing here. And first, it starts in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll tell you, say it again. Rejoice. It's, it's such a short verse, but it uses one word twice. Rejoice. To find joy again. To place joy in again. Rejoice. Paul is emphasizing this word. He wants the church at Philippi, he wants them to look past hurt feelings. Remember, he's just talking, coming off addressing these two ladies that are dealing with conflict, and he's trying to get them focused back on the big picture. He says, rejoice. Don't focus on your hurt feelings. Don't focus on who's right and who's wrong. Don't focus on these squabbles of the world, but rejoice. And what's more unique is Paul is writing this letter while he is in prison. Paul himself is in chains as he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and he's encouraging them with this idea of rejoice. 
Rejoice. To place your joy in again. Rejoice, church. But how is he telling us to rejoice? Specifically, how is Paul himself able to rejoice knowing he is in prison? It's very simple. It's written right there. It's the next, it's second, third, and fourth word of the verse. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul doesn't just tell them, man, rejoice. You should rejoice. But how do you rejoice, Paul? You're in prison. We're having a horrible time here. I'm a mom and it's struggling. I feel like a hot mess. Then rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you read all of Paul's writings, every little thing that he comes up with, he's pointing the church to go back to the Lord with it. He's pointing and encouraging the church, take it to the Father. Have you ever seen anybody rejoicing and they're unhappy? Probably not. Eeyore doesn't rejoice. All right? When Eeyore talks, he's not rejoicing. Now, he's not rejoicing. Nobody rejoices like, it's such a good day. So happy to be here. That's not rejoicing. When Paul says rejoice, he's saying rejoice in the Lord because people who rejoice are people who are happy, whose joy is found in the Lord. Why rejoice in the Lord? I want you to think about it. Why rejoice in the Lord? Moms, as you're dealing with all these battles that you're facing in your head, why rejoice in the Lord? Think about it. Let me ask you this question. In your mind, what can outweigh the Lord? What can be greater than the joy of the Lord? What can be greater than the thinking about who God is? When we're talking about these battles and these struggles we face with our thought life and where we go, what can be greater than just thinking about the Lord? I wrote a few things down in case you're wondering, how in the world am I supposed to think about God? I want you to think about this. God is unfailing, unchanging, unending, and unyielding. He will never be unkind, unloving, unwise, or ungracious. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-present, even when you feel alone. God is our guide through the valley of the shadow our sunshine through the rain, the mender of our broken hearts, the light in the darkness. Mom, he even turns promises into rainbows. What can outweigh that? When you start thinking about God and who he is and what he's done and the attributes of God, you kind of start getting over the things of this world that drag you down and you start learning how to rejoice. Paul didn't say, hey, ignore your problems. Hey, pretend like they're not there. Hey, run from your problems. Paul's just saying, shift your focus and rejoice in the Lord. He says it twice. He is adamant because that's what he's doing here in prison. Sure, I'm chained up. Sure, my life is on the line. But guess what? I'm just sitting here thinking about how good God is and who he is. But most importantly, the fact that I have full access to God through Jesus Christ. And I praise God. I rejoice at who he is and what he's doing in my life. Moms, rejoice. God wants you to be happy so that you rejoice in knowing him. Verse 5, let's keep reading. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Gentleness, another word that can be used here. Maybe some of your text said is the word selflessness. God wants you to be holy. Because it's not just this idea of gentleness as selflessness. What is he saying here? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Moms, if there is anybody on display at your house, it's you. 
If there's anyone on display in your workplace, it's you. If there's anyone on display wherever you go, it's you. And what Paul is encouraging here is to reflect the holiness of God. Be holy. Again, talking about this conflict with these two ladies. He's pointing back to them and he's saying, pursue holiness. Stop trying to be right and just do what is right. If you're going to be a good mom, you're not worried about self-vindication. You're worried about the right that needs to be done. Y'all remember the story in Solomon? Remember the two ladies that both claimed to be moms of this baby? And they come before the king and they're like, hey, whose, whose baby is this? Because we're both saying that, that we're, her, we're his mom. Remember what happened? Solomon says, well, I tell you what, let's just, let's just make everybody happy. Let's cut the baby in half and you can take half the baby and you can take half the baby and you can both be mom. What happened there? Remember? Maybe you're not familiar with the story. What happens is the lady who is not the true mom of this baby said, that's a good idea. Just do it like that. Fine. We'll, that'll, that'll settle it. But what did the real mother say in that context? No, 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 no. Please, king. Don't harm the baby. She can have him. She quit trying to be right. And she started focusing on what was the right thing to do. And you know what it reflected? Her holiness. Her pursuit of righteousness. Her desire for the truth, for the righteousness to be on display. And that's what he says here. Is what he's talking about here. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness, your selflessness be, be in context. That everyone can see it on display in your life. Your desire for righteousness. For what's most important to you is the right thing. Not trying to be right, but doing the right thing. You know who taught me that? Want to take a guess? My mom. You know who taught you that? Most of you, a lot of you? Your mom. Son, you do the right thing. No matter what it costs, you always do the right thing. That's what Paul's saying here. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Put your holiness that God has placed in you by being a part of him through Jesus Christ on display. Why? So that people can see God in you. Let your mom, moms, stop worrying about being right and focus on doing right. Reflecting what is right. Reflecting the righteousness that God has called us to. And they will see your holiness. That you are set apart. That you are loved by God. And why should we do this? Why should we focus on what is right instead of being right? That's what these ladies were dealing with. They wanted to be right. They were bickering in conflict. They were trying to be... Paul says, stop. Focus on the right thing. Why? He says it. For the Lord is near. Paul's illustrating the mindset of always being conscious of the nearness of the Lord. Some people say that what he's talking about here for the Lord is near is talking about the day of the Lord. Always exuding righteousness, always exuding holiness because, you know what, it can be just like that, that the Lord shows up and the Lord appears or we're with him. But he's also talking about the context that, you know what, the Lord is near. We cannot escape his presence. For the Lord is near and when the Lord is near, we want to show and reflect the goodness of the Lord in our lives. So be Holy, he wants you to be happy, he wants you to be holy. Look at verse 6. Moms, you might want to write this down. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I get it, man. Like, you're a mom. 
And it, and, it, and it'd be completely ludicrous maybe for me to be standing up here to say, oh, moms, just stop worrying about everything. Don't be anxious about anything. The Bible says it. Get over it. And let's move on. I get it. Like that's virtually impossible for you because you're mom. But can I just remind you of something else that God said? Maybe in John 16, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. Boy, that helps with a little bit of that anxiety when we trust and know that God has overcome the world, including overcome our problems. How about 1 Peter 5, 7? It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Like God's word's not saying, like, stop being anxious, stop worrying. No, he's pointing to a great, this is the reason why you shouldn't have to worry about anxiety, because God cares for you. Why should you be anxious about something when the God of all things cares intimately for who you are and what happens in your life? God cares for you. Or maybe when Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, when he says, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to his life? By the way, the answer is no. In case you're sitting there thinking like, oh, that's how I can get everything done. The answer is no. Maybe God is using Paul, maybe God's using this verse, this, this text that Paul's writing when he's talking about don't be anxious about anything. Maybe God is using Paul's words to remind the church the way he might be reminding us today that, hey, mom, hey, follower of Christ, hey, humanity, you don't need to be worried about anything. You don't need to be anxious about anything because it's not yours to be anxious about. It belongs to me. I've got this. Mom, what this verse is pointing you to when it says don't be anxious about anything, it's pointing to faith. It's not for you to try to hold on to so tightly and manipulate and get the way that it comes out the way you want it to come out. It's called faith. And when our children, our families see your faith on display, it changes them. It teaches them something more about what you're trying to educate them as a mom. It's this idea of recognizing you're not in control. And when you're not in control, when you let go, when you trust God, when your faith takes over, suddenly it's not becomes about you. It doesn't become about what you want. It doesn't become about the results that you're trying to manipulate. It's a trusting of God. It's humbling ourselves so that the evidence of God is real in our lives. Don't be anxious about anything. But he keeps going. He says, but in every situation... By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Moms, I know these things that you battle with, these things rolling around in your head that you struggle with, sometimes it's overbearing. Sometimes the, the burden of it is just, oh, it's debilitating at times. But look at what Paul is saying. He's not saying like, hey, just get over it. Don't worry about it. No, he says, hey, don't be anxious about it. Take it to God. Take it to the Father. Take it to Him in prayer. You know, today is the biggest day and age where... uh we have these things called talk shows. <laughs> yeah, indeed, talk shows. We got these blogs now. Oh, those are popular. Blogs. We have these self-help websites. We have Google. We have all these things that when we're dealing with something that maybe we don't know the exact course of action, what do we do? We start looking for answers. We Google it. We go find a blog that talks about it. 
We go to Pinterest and see if there's anything there that's available for it. We turn on the TV, look for a talk show. We start looking for all these self-help people that can coach us through it. What is Paul saying here? Turn off the TV. Get off your social media. Stop trying to find one more blog that validates you. He says, take it to the Father. In every situation, take it to the Father. But he says it in a very unique way of how we should be praying about these things that burden us, these thought processes that that challenge our lifestyle, our thought life. He says, pray about it with thanksgiving. Just think about that. What's the difference in your prayer life when we pray with thanksgiving versus just when we pray? You know, I typically, I say thank you to somebody after they have given or done something kind to me. Do you do that? Is that how you use thank you? Is that the context you use? Yeah. We use thank you as a response to the goodness of what somebody else has done voluntarily in our lives. So when Paul is saying, hey, all these things, don't be anxious. These things that you're trying to hold on to, let go of them. Let your faith take root and take them to the Father with thanksgiving. Because Paul is pointing to the fact that when we go to God and our faith humbles us and our faith leads us to the Father, then it's good because we can go ahead and thank him for how he's going to handle that situation. We can go ahead and thank him because we are trusting in him and his way and his word to lead us through, to give us everything we need. And maybe I have a certain idea of how the desired results should look in my opinion, but I think God has a better view of it from than I do. So I'm going to trust him. So God, I take these things to you. This is happening. This is going on in my life. This is going on in my family. This is going on with my child. And Father, it scares me to death. But God, I thank you for what you're going to do in this situation. Take it one step further, moms. God, I thank you for how you're going to use me in this situation. It's called faith when we humble ourselves and quit trying to take care of everything. And I get it, moms. You try to do it all by yourself. You know, my kids are here because <clears throat> it's Mother's Day and kids need to be sitting with their moms and grandmas and not upstairs separated from them. You know what my kids don't ask me for? Money. My kids don't ask me for money. And it's not because, oh, they're just these perfectly well-behaved little children. <laughs> no, they know daddy don't got no cash, okay? <laughs> they quit asking. Daddy, can I have a dollar? I don't have any cash. That's kind of why I don't have cash. I don't have any cash. My kids also aren't teenagers. So that's also why they quit asking for money. But you know what my kids do ask for? Piggyback rides. My kids ask for piggyback rides. You know why they ask me for piggyback rides? Because they know that I do have one of those. And they know I love, I'll give it to them. I love it when my kids ask me for a piggyback ride. Except when it's late at night after a long day and I got to go up those stairs with an extra 40 to 60, whatever, you know, that's kind of challenging, but it's still fun. They ask me for piggyback rides because they know that I can give them a piggyback ride. And what else do they, why do they keep asking? Because they know they have a father that loves them and loves doing things like that for them. So mom, what's stopping you from taking these things you're dealing with and going to the father that loves you, that loves providing for you, that loves rescuing you in the only way that God can and trusting him with it. What's different than my kids asking me for a piggyback ride because they know their father loves them and wants to do this for them. All they have to do is ask, moms, why are we going back to blogs to try to find answers to our problems, these anxieties? When are we going to trust God? When are we going to humble ourselves, let go, and trust that our loving father wants to give us what we need? Be humble. In verse 7, look at what it says in verse 7. And the peace 
of God. I just want to stop right there. The peace, the peace of God. What is the peace of God? Like, what's the peace of Justin? Here's the peace of Justin. I got to be in a quiet room, completely silent, no TVs or distractions. Like, for me to have peace, it has to be like solitary confinement. You know what I mean? And even then, it's not guaranteed because I have an active imagination, okay? But what is the peace of God? Let me, let me assure you something. This is the God who creates storms. I like physical storms, lightning, thunder, it's just crazy. God creates that kind of stuff. This is the God that since the beginning of humanity has watched chaos and war and conflict and pestilence. And the last time, excuse me, the last time I checked, he hasn't flipped the switch on Armageddon yet. Which means that in all of the craziness and chaos that's happened since the beginning of time, it has not disrupted the peace of God to the point where he's ready to push the button and say, now it's time, we're done here. You know that tells me? That the peace of God is unshakable. That even in the greatest storms this world has to offer, that you still can't disrupt his peace. So when he talks about here, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. But we talked about God wants you to be happy. He wants you uh, to be humble. He wants you to be holy He wants you to be whole. Moms, he wants you to be whole. And this is how you do it right here in verse 7. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That means waiting for everyone in your house to be gone and rolling out your yoga mat and um, it don't work. It's not going to work. Your peace is not going to come and it's not going to set in and it's not going to change anything if it's apart from being found in Christ Jesus. Mom, what's your testimony today? Mom, what's your testimony of your relationship with Jesus? Here's a question. Do your children know your testimony? Do your children know your story of Jesus in your life? Could they boldly stand and proclaim to somebody else? Let me tell you about how my mom came to know Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how about my mom's faith. Because they've heard it from you. The only way we're going to have the peace that transcends all understanding. The only way that we're going to experience this peace of God that remains unaffected by the things of this world is found in Christ Jesus. So no wonder you can't do it on your own. No wonder these things won't go away on their own. It's found in Christ Jesus alone. Why? Why is peace found in Christ Jesus? Because Luke 2 happened. When God sent his son and the angels showed up and said, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It will be all people for peace has come. The peace treaty with humanity that God just inked in the form of his son is here. Jesus, after he was crucified, shows back up, walks into the room, a locked room with the disciples, and the first word he says is, peace I bring to you. He's the prince of peace. So mom, in all this chaos of being a hot mess and everything that's disarray and chaotic, it's found in Christ Jesus, the peace you're looking for, the peace 
you're longing for. And in everything you deal with, in everything you carry, remember how Paul continues this verse in verse 8 when he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters and moms, whatever is true, God's word, whatever is noble, reflections of God's character, whatever is right, not opinions or I just feel like, no, whatever is right, whatever is pure, don't pollute your mind with filth, whatever is lovely, eloquent and beautiful, moms just like you are, created in his image, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, things you build up, things that build you up, things that you build up and God builds up through you. If anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Why did Paul write this? Because Jesus is true, he's noble, he's right, he's pure, he's lovely, he's admirable, he's excellent, he's praiseworthy. And moms, so are you. Because you're created in his image. I don't know what it's like to be a mom. I don't know what it's like to be you. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what's waiting for you when you leave this room. But I do know this. Mom, you are worth far greater than this world will ever know. You are worth far greater than this world will ever tell you. But I say thank you. Let's watch this video. God, I thank you for the hot messes in this room. I thank you for life when it can be a hot mess. And I thank you for sending moms to weather the storm. God, today, I pray, Father, for the, for the women in this room. Regardless of whether the world calls them a mom or not, I pray for the women in this room 
that you would continue to love them and minister to their hearts and to encourage them and to build them up. And may you do so in such a way that it drowns out the noise of what this world says they are to be. That it drowns out the discouragement that maybe they've even received from their families. God, that it drowns out the lies of the enemy that tells them they're not good enough. God, today through your word, we see your desire for our lives. And it's for all of us. It's not just for moms. That you desire us to be happy because we rejoice in you. You desire us to be holy because we live a life of righteousness that's set apart. That you desire us to be humble because our faith is in you and we're not worried about everything trying to control it. That God, you want us to be whole because we are found in Christ alone. And God, today, if there's anybody in this room, moms or no moms, God, that they are not whole because they are not found in Christ Jesus, then Father, I pray they would run to you to be put back together. God, if there is a mom or a dad or just a person that is struggling with the weight of this world, that it's gotten them so bogged down, that God, you would meet them where they are and show them how you are still in control and they trust you. God, for the moms that feel like they don't know how they're going to go one more day. Show them that they go one more day walking with you, God. Father God, lead us as a church to trust you, to rejoice in you, to be humbled in your presence, to be whole because of Christ, and to live that out on display so the world may see how you love them as you have loved us. God, even now, as we come to a time of invitation and response, we pray that you're glorified and magnified in our obedience by what we choose to